Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. the Lord be with you. Good evening, everyone. A special welcome back to all of our college students who are off this week in our home for Thanksgiving. Uh, Your parents are very happy to have you, and you're very happy to have your parents do your laundry, right? I remember what it was like in college myself. Uh, Thanks for coming back tonight for those who are visiting uh, from being away at school. Uh, It's always important for us to start off the week, even on breaks, with our faith. Tonight we celebrate the memory of St. Cecilia, the uh, model of womanhood, as they called her in the ancient times, and maybe even today too, the model of womanhood who gave herself, she endured suffering to give herself for her faith and for Jesus Christ alone. For the times where we have done less than that ourselves, let us call to mind our sins and ask the Lord to make us worthy to celebrate these sacred mysteries. The Lord be with you. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When Jesus looked up, he saw some wealthy people putting their offerings into the treasury, and he noticed a poor widow putting in two small coins. He said, I tell you truly, this poor widow put in more than all the rest. For those others have all made offerings from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has offered her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. Do you know the power of poverty? Tonight, as I was thinking about this gospel, or should I say this afternoon, because I did a Mass at Modern Day earlier, I was thinking about this gospel and I thought, do I know any stories of the power of poverty? And so instead of me trying to think of some on my own, I thought, well, I'll ask the guys at the house. They're starting to become priests, potentially. One of them shared a story. He said, yeah, I know the power of poverty. He said his mom, not long ago, was wanting a new set of something, um, a new set of something, a new item. And she's like, no, I don't really need that. No, I don't really need that. No, I don't really need that. You've never done this before, have you? And so she said, you know what? I'm not going to get it. And instead, I'm going to donate some things to St. Vincent de Paul instead. She goes to take her goods to donate them to charity. And when she gets there, the people said, why don't you go take a look around in our store and see if there's anything that you like? And guess what she found on the shelf for $3? That new set of something. Exactly what she wanted. I could probably go through stories kind of ad nauseum like that of people who have experienced poverty or the power of poverty. Um, But it doesn't matter if I go through any of those stories if you've not experienced the power of poverty. How many of you say that you trust God? Good. (laughs) How many of you have ever said that you've known what it's like to be poor in some way? Hmm. You know, in the gospel reading and in the first reading tonight, we see that God's power is most fully displayed um, when someone is in need In that first reading, which is pretty long and has a lot of hard names, so well done, um, the king of Babylon comes in and conquers Jerusalem a long time ago. It'd be like uh, China coming in and conquering the United States of America. 
which is more and more likely all the time, unfortunately. (laughs) Anyways, imagine a foreign power that doesn't believe or doesn't have our values coming in and taking over. It says in the book of Daniel that, that when they come in, they take the sacred items and take them back to their own land. It'd be like China coming in and stealing our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, maybe like the the justice, the blind justice on top of the uh, Capitol building, you know, sacred things to us as a nation, and taking them all back home to China and putting them there with their stuff, but not killing us off. And then, instead of just trying to convert us, the Babylonians rounded up some of the brightest stars in the future of Israel. For us, that'd be like they would go to Harvard and find the girl who's a Rhodes Scholar, who's the top of her class in engineering, and they'd find the, the grandson of President Kennedy or the great-grandson of President Kennedy, right? Someone who's got power. They'd find the, the intern on Capitol Hill, and he or she has been there for three or four internships, probably is going to be a lobbyist and then a senator one day themselves. They'd go around and they would find the most important future leaders of what would have been the future of our country, they take them into the king's service and say, we're going to convert you so that you can make your own people follow us later. Smart move, right? And so among these men that they pull back in the day, they pull four, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. And those four, who are strong Israelites, decide not to go with the plan. The chief chamberlain comes to bring them food from the king's table. In other words, like whatever the, the president or whatever is taking over, right, would be eating. Instead of you getting some other trash or less, uh, less healthy of a diet, you're going to get exactly what the king gets to eat himself. They bring that to these men who are studying, saying, here, you need to be as healthy as possible for your future and for ours. And these guys say no. Our God told us many years ago that we cannot eat certain foods. They're unclean. We won't do it. And Daniel is the leader of that bunch. He says, I, won't, I refuse. The chamberlain, who's the guy like the mediator between them and the king, says, but you must eat this food because if you four are unhealthy, I'll lose my job. And then Daniel makes a deal. He says, okay. He throws caution to the wind and says, let's give it a shot. How about you bring us just vegetables and water for the next 10 days and see who looks healthier in a week and a half from now? The other people eating from the king's table or us? And the chamberlain says, all right, let's do it. After 10 days of eating nothing but vegetables and water, I'm pro-beef, farm kid, okay? (laughs) After eating nothing but vegetables and water for more than a week, They line them all up again, and the chamberlain realizes that not only do they not look unhealthy, but they actually look better fed, and the other word was healthier than the other people in the king's service. You know, the boldness it would take for Daniel and the other three to do that is extraordinary. I mean, these are guys who had a future, and then someone came in to conquer their nation, and then those conquerors said, hey, of all the people in the country, we're still going to give you a future. Do you accept? They could have thrown away their entire future by not eating the king's pork sandwich or whatever it was that one night. But they did it. 
I wonder if we know the power of poverty. And the gospel reading, the woman comes to the courtyard. We heard this gospel reading two weekends ago, possibly. Different gospel, but same, same story. A poor woman comes to the courtyard of the temple. Jesus sees a bunch of wealthy people making their big offerings. And he sees the woman offer what? Two coins. Actually, Jesus says she offers two different things. At first, it says that she offers two small coins. And the last line is that Jesus says she offers her her whole livelihood, her means of sustenance and support. She offers all of it. This reading and the first reading, they go hand in hand. They're about poverty. And yet some of us, all of us, all we do is try to stay away from poverty, don't we? Tonight we had two really good meals. I actually delivered to the house of the sermon for supper. Somebody brought us uh, Thanksgiving dinner in its, our own little individual boxes. We're not expecting that. And then also someone brought us Domino's pizza. That's kind of a joke, but, but <laughs> we did. That's what we got. Two good options for a bunch of college guys. They're all sitting on the counter. Obviously, in my opinion, one of those is better than the other, is it not? Homemade Thanksgiving dinner, Domino's pizza. But poverty is saying, I'll go last in line, right? Or I'll eat the pizza first, um, because God will let me be healthy later. Not throwing our health out the window, but trusting that God wants to use us uh, when we choose to let him, to let him work. Um, I think a lot of us have a problem with poverty. Most of us try to solve it. We see a poor person, we give them a Subway gift card, if you think about it. Buy $5 Subway gift cards, stick them in your car. When you come out to a stoplight on St. Joe or that road, Red Bank, where they always are over by Walmart, you know, you come to a stoplight and they ask you for money, give them a $5 Subway. They'll have to eat a sandwich, right? Instead of spending on alcohol or whatever else. Anyways, we try to get rid of it. When we see it, we walk away, if we even stop, right, to give them the gift card. Whenever we have no money in our bank account, we think, how can I work more? Or how can I get a new job? Most of us, whenever we're feeling like we're down because people aren't paying attention to us, we say, how can I be more noticeable, more attractive, more talented? When our grades are low or our time is flying past us, we say, how can I get it back? Do you know the power of poverty? You know, that's one thing I was taught in seminary, um, and I think rightly so. We're making promises as priests of simplicity, not poverty, but it's moving in that direction. We're taught in seminary to give things away um, constantly. Why would we be taught to do that if there wasn't something better going to be manifest? One time at Christmas, our rector at St. Meinrad before we all went home on Christmas break, so here, actually been here, here pretty soon, like eight years ago, he, gave, he got up and gave a big conference to the whole seminary, and he said, I want all of you to make a promise to me. Whatever you get while you're home, I want you to turn around and give it away. Everything. Every check from the Knights of Columbus, every set of new socks from your mom. My mom gets me socks every year for Christmas. Every, everything that you get given while you are not here at the seminary, I want you to turn around and hand it to somebody else before you come back. And all of us were like, Father, the only time we get money as seminarians is Christmas. <laughs> we don't have a job. Like we're, we're, Our stipend from the diocese is like 150 bucks a month, right? For phone bill and car payments and gas and whatever else, entertainment, you know? We need that. 
And he says, you don't. You don't need it. And so one year, since he gave this lecture several times, I did it. I gave it all away. When I came back and the guys were like, hey, let's go see this new movie that's out in January. I was like, I can't go, right? I have no money. And I went to the rector and I was like, this is your fault, you know? But what we find when we give things away is that something else is waiting for us every time. I mean, often whenever I look at my bank account and I say, man, things are getting low or I'm not feeling comfortable about my retirement, if I ever get to do that one day, if I have those thoughts, almost always a piece of mail comes in that's from some convent out in California or some seminary in North Carolina that's trying to build and expand because they've got vocations and they're asking for 500 bucks or 600 bucks and I write the check anyway. And as soon as that happens, something else comes in the mail to me the next week, every time. And I'm not saying that to tell you that I'm rich now because I get money back. I'm saying because if, if we never jump out of the airplane, we won't know if the parachute works. Right? Do you know the power of poverty? Do you know what it's like to go before God and say, I have nothing materially, spiritually, socially? Like, it's gone. I gave it up for you. Because we'll never know how to trust God fully until we give it all away. All of it. Abandoning to divine providence. I mean, the founders of religious orders, I'm on a roll tonight. The founders of religious orders, they did this in spades. I mean, how many men and women formed communities and bought a house to live in or to put the poor in and they had no money to their name? John Bosco did it all the time. He'd run, he'd run to the hospital and he'd, he'd pay someone's bill with a check that wouldn't cash because he had no money in his account. And then he'd go anoint somebody right after he paid that check that wasn't going to work. And that person he anointed gave him the exact amount he needed to pay that bill when he got back to his house. Every time. W- women who have gone off into the desert or to, or to reform their own convents from within. They've given up everything and, and God provides. Today, We calculate and we budget and we make sure that things are all going to work out ahead of time. But how can God work in that? Now, there's nothing wrong with budgeting. I have a budget. Dean Hoppe, the CFO of our diocese, makes sure I know where I'm at in my budget. But at the same time, if we don't know what it's like to just strike out and go, we never give God a chance to show forth power. One of my favorite authors, his last name is Metz, M-E-T-Z, who wrote a book on poverty. I think I've talked about this before. He says that the only thing that makes us human is that we're insufficient. That, that we, plants aren't in need. As long as they've got sun and water, they're fine. And even that, if they don't get those things, they don't know they don't get them. Dogs, all they want is a bone, right? I'm simplifying, but you get it. We as people, we're totally insufficient. And that's what makes us human, he says. He says it's in our poverty that we find the acme or the dynamite of our existence. Because we, unlike plants and animals or water or whatever, unlike all those things, we can be filled with something that is totally above us if we let it, if we let him. The widow, she gives away a little bit, but a little bit is everything. Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, they, they risk everything. And they gain everything in return. In fact, the king ends up converting later on. He says, I believe you more than I believe everybody else. Folks, uh, if you don't know what it's like to be poor, 
in some way, find out. And then you'll find out who God can really be for you.